When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to Eureka, the show that gets under the skin of science in a good way. Isaac Asimov once said that the most exciting phrase to hear in science is not Eureka, but that's funny. And respectfully, Isaac, we think you can have a bit of both. We invite a new expert every week to help us answer one of science's most interesting questions as decided by us. I'm Rick Edwards. And I'm Dr. Michael Brooks. And Dr. Michael Brooks is uh, kind of... um he keeps me company. I think that's the best way to do it. <laughs> um, I do it on my own, but I get a bit lonely. So he's just here. Um, don't use the S word, will you? Occasionally he'll he'll chip in. Uh, no, well, you don't like being called a sidekick. So I'm just saying. I'm, I'm like, genuinely uh, not a sidekick. I mean, basically the main engine on this. Anyway, anyway. <laughs> yeah, depending on your definition of engine. <laughs> Talking of getting under the skin, um, mm-hmm. I've been wondering about what's going on under mine. So last time I went for a haircut, I realised the mirror is no longer my friend. You just realised that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, people have been saying it for years, but I didn't believe them. But, I um, sort of can't. I don't know why I can't imagine you going for a haircut. Really? Yeah. Oh, it's one of the, one of the joys in life now. I've got this new Turkish barber that I go to. Towels on the face and all that Must kind of stuff. Quite quick. I love it. Yeah, it's not. It's not a long operation. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I think they just put the towels on the face to, to yeah, kind of you know, make it worth the money that the, they, they're charging me. The towels on the face is a real treat. Yeah. We can no. agree on that. Yeah, absolutely. Anyway, you're not getting any younger. Um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, tell me about it. I'll tell you what, having a 3.45am alarm is definitely not improving my face. No. No. No, well, you know. I started I, using a lot more potions. Have you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got you, something, a, a pure like caffeine gel or something. <laughs> Does any of it work? Um, I don't know. Yeah, of course you don't, I, because I, I, nobody ever knows, do the they? The thing is, like, you, you go on, you, you sort of do a Google search to try and work out what is what is good for like, under-eye bags. Yeah. And it's, essentially, every list is a list of about 50 products. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. yeah. And, uh, and, and whichever product you click on, they say, yeah, this one's really good. And then they get a percentage of the money. <laughs> so it's so just a racket. Like, it's so not... what you've got to do is do one one eye only, isn't it? As a control, I, I, I guess so, but I just can't be fucked, can I? No, you can't. You'd I rather just, want, just spend your money and hope that to, it works. Yeah, someone to say, look, this one is really expensive. This, this, this will do the job, and I'll just slather that on. Yeah, yeah, and then I six months care. later, you'll you'll buy something else because you'll say, I still look shit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I'll just and I'll keep the industry going. <laughs> that, I think, is how the beauty industry works. I think it basically <laughs> is. And good luck to it. <laughs> I mean, it's good that you can laugh about it. You know, them taking all your money, although it's probably giving you extra smile lines. I don't need to worry about the smile. The smile is still in good working order. (laughs) 
The smile's still got it. You still the got it. Smile's still there. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's going nowhere. Rick. Yeah. I'm so glad you believe in yourself. Yeah. <laughs> you got to. <laughs> when no one else does. One of my favourite moments of my life was was when um, you know I can't remember what what we were talking about how it came up but uh, you know Philippa, my wife says oh yeah yeah he, he's good looking. He's not the best looking of your friends, though. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> and yeah, of, Unbelievable. Co- of course, I wrote, reported that back to you and you were livid. Yeah, yeah. But st- still am. <laughs> <laughs> and my point is, there's clearly like room for improvement. I'm not sure that is clearly true. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you think it would be great if you could just get a better face, though? Well, have you ever heard the phrase, that's the least of your problems? <laughs> <laughs> you ever heard the phrase, you've got to start somewhere? This man has just been given a new lease on life. He's Canada's first face transplant recipient. It took 30 hours of surgery and four years of preparation. The surgery is complex and filled with risks. The Virginia man who became a medical celebrity by getting the most ambitious face transplant in history needs yet another medical miracle. I'm happy to report that the team has achieved tremendous success in providing Ms. Talton with a full face transplant. Now, the face transplant was made possible because of a courageous donor family. Sanders has been recovering in Rochester for the past eight months and is expected to return home to Wyoming later this month. You can warp it, you can make bone cuts. The surgeon can have complete control over what's going to happen. The face is a complex machine, like a car. The outside bodywork or skin hides the intertwining mechanisms, the nerves, muscle, bone and blood that roar on even while you're sleeping. But even some supermodels who have the Ferraris of faces say they wish they could change theirs. So how far off are we from doing exactly that? Peeling off a face from one person and fitting it to another with no mistakes or organ rejection or abnormalities. One day will getting a face transplant be as normal as getting a haircut or buying some new clothes? That is our question for today. Are face transplants the future of cosmetic surgery? This week, we're going to talk to one of only a handful of surgeons who've ever successfully pulled off a, tr- a face transplant, Dr. Brian Gastman. Uh, he's a double-boarded plastic surgeon and otolaryngologist at the Excuse Cleveland me. Clinic. <laughs> that that um, very easy for you to say. Well, that, I mean, that's, that's a hard one, isn't it? Otolang- otolaryngologist. No, otolaryngologist. 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 Are we going with that? Otolaryngologist. What do you think? Hard G or soft G? I, th- I think it's got to be soft. Otolaryngologist. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. What does it mean? <laughs> uh, ear, nose and throat, I think. Anyway, he's at the Cleveland Clinic and he's on the facial transplantation team. Which is, I mean, that's a good team to be a part of. Yep. Uh, Specialises in facial plastic surgery and complex reconstruction of the entire craniomaxillofacial skeleton. I don't think I've ever heard you say so many words that I know you don't know what they mean. I know exactly <laughs> what that means. Craniomaxillofacial is all of the all of the head stuff, isn't it? <laughs> and you're just reading that straight from the dictionary. <laughs> Uh, okay, you're going to have to take this back to basics. How does the process of getting a new face work? The patient gets 
what we call listed. We have to start looking for skin matching, uh, gender matching. We look at blood type and then we wait. Then finally is the actual face transplant. In our case, we have always done the donor and the recipient of the face transplant in adjacent operating rooms. Uh, which allows us to move the tissue from the donor to the recipient much quicker and reduces the amount of time there's no blood flow in the tissues. There's so many components though from bone, muscle, skin, uh, nerve, lining of the mouth. Suffice to say, just about anything that you consider face, including the tissues all the way back to the back of the tongue and the back of the nose and even underneath the brain is considered a face transplant and can be transplanted. I'm fixating on the donor here. Well, I mean, the what's don- happening to them? The, the donor is dead, so so it's it's like donating a heart. Effectively, you know, you, you don't get these things without the the donor being dead. Right. And I'm trying to get to the donor quite quickly. So someone who's recently dead. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, it has to be it has to be quick. It has to be close. I mean, because you know, if you're talking about the United States, mm. you know, you can't have an eight-hour flight, or you know, it has to be sort of within like three or four hours traveling distance as well. And, you know, this thing comes up. Obviously, you know, there have to be conversations with um, the donor's family because, you know, you're, you might be automatically down as a, as a donor of your kidneys and your liver. But, you know, the face is something that families really have to be involved with, you know, giving consent to. So, yeah, it, this is really macabre because if I'm sitting there and I need a face transplant... And as Dr. Gassman is saying, it, it needs to be the right sort of face. You can't yes, just work yeah, like any, yeah, old, uh, yeah. any old face on it. It's going yeah. to look too obvious um, and, and not work, crucially. It's not just about a visual. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and therefore, I'm sort of sitting there with my half a face or whatever it is, and I'm sort of fingers crossed that someone who looks at it, it possibly like me dies exactly. so, nearby. Well, I don't so, know that your fingers crossed that somebody dies. Well, I want my, I want a face. So but, it's sort but of you out. are you are hoping that something comes along that fortune yeah, smiles what does that on mean? you. Yeah, well, so what does yeah, that mean? I mean? Think about what that means. You it means you're, hope, you're hoping that someone dies. You can't think like that. I mean, you can't think that somebody who wants a heart transplant is just like sitting there, fingers crossed, hoping that someone dies so they can have a heart. But it's not like that, is it? There's less. There's there's fewer criteria for the heart. Yeah, yeah, much fewer. I mean, the, so the you, face, it's more likely that a heart is going to come in. Oh, yeah, far more likely. I mean, a face is really, really, really hard to match, basically, because yeah. you have to have you know certain similarities in structure, in skin color. Mm. You know, um, we'll sort of get on to, to the kind of issue of of race because obviously, you know, if you're African American, then you you're waiting for an African American face yeah. uh, to to come. But basically, you know, the, because of the the structures and the nerves and the muscles and the the size of a face, you know, everything has to sort of be pretty much on spec for you to be able to have that. I mean, the face is a lot, right? So the the face is uh, fourteen bones, forty muscles, obviously thirty two teeth. Uh, but there are 21 facial muscles that just like move to give you expressions and stuff. So all of that has to be sort of in the right place to to reattach, if you like. Mm. Um, you know, you've got to try and create something where you can create a smile and people can get a smile back. You know, and, and you know, there's, there's sort of so many subtleties to that because we have like 19 different smiles, apparently, you know, that have been made up. You know, we've got to try and get facial expressions. There are six universal facial expressions you have to sort of get through the nerves and muscles being attached in the right oh, way. No, I, uh, come on, I want you to, to name them, obviously. Uh, okay, so uh, frown? No. Oh, great, good stuff. Not exactly. 
But, I mean, uh, sort of, uh, uh, like concerned, expressions. Con- uh, uh, so like happy is the first one. Oh, right. I see. So, yeah, yeah. so emotions that I'm expressing with my face. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay, so happy, sad, scared, uh, confused, shocked. Um, surprised. Surprised, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, the one that one the, it's mostly your, I mean, your face most of the time. Uh, disdain. <laughs> Actually, that's not on the list. <laughs> I was going to say angry, but there you go. And disgusted. Uh, yeah, okay. Uh, uh, either or. I mean, that's basically yeah. you, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Angry, yeah, disgusted, yeah. and disdainful. That's what I'd be saying to Gasper. I was like, listen, you can keep all the others. <laughs> I, need, I need to be able to look angry. <laughs> Give me the anger muscles. <laughs> but you've got, so your face has got five different muscle groups they have to sort of try and sort of get working again. Um, the, you know, the muscles of the forehead, uh, eye closing muscles, moving nostrils, upper lip um, is another one, uh, and uh, and raising the corner of the mouth. So this sort of, you know, the upper facial area. Yeah, exactly like that. Sne- sneering. I mean, yeah. there could be another one, yeah. couldn't it? When you're when you're talking about this stuff, it's very hard not to start thinking about <laughs> what muscles you're moving to do all of this stuff. And then there's the lower lower chin muscle. So that's um, which you tense. Apparently, they say like you, mo- t- you use that the most when you're shaving. Can't, can't really see yours. Can oh, you? fuck off. No. Yeah, yeah. Um, also lowers the corner of the mouth, which I kind of can't do without it sort of being just weird, isn't it? It's a weird thing to do voluntarily. And also the facial nerve. I didn't know this carries. Uh, Taste basically, so so it's connected to the front of the tongue, front two thirds of the tongue. So really? the facial nerve carries like the you know the taste buds sort of signals as well. So so there's a hell of a lot to do. Um, there's obviously uh, the lips, moving the lips, the kissing muscle. Um, so you you know you've got to be able to pucker up and suck. Um, so all of that stuff has to be part of the kind of you know this is what they're trying to achieve where that's does a the, really tall order yeah where does the facial nerve kind of run from like where is it so, so it runs runs i mean from the brain stem basically yeah. into the, the into the sort of just spreads face. out it all it's through five, okay, it, okay. it sort of diffuses diffuses into five okay. five different um areas basically so yeah so there's a there's a hell of a you know hell of a lot to do so po- point being then Given how complicated this is, will it ever be possible that you could sort of have my... So I I have an unfortunate demise uh, in a hospital near you (laughs) where you're waiting for a new face. Yeah. Um, and, I, any... and I'd say no, pass. <laughs> no, it's, an, it's a perfect match. Yeah, it's like, I, don't want, I don't <laughs> Can want. Can you this. imagine? Yeah. <laughs> well, Philip is definitely. Saying, yeah, I mean, no, Philip is saying, no. "Oh, couldn't he have? Yeah. Uh, why that one?" <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but I mean, any chance? Um, pretty much no, I'd say. But let's see what Doctor Gasman has to say. We'll never be able to just take someone else's face and match them exactly perfectly because we're always different. In fact, when we take someone's face from someone else and put it on a new patient, we sort of have to stretch things and squash other things. And most of the time, they don't look like the patient that their face came from anyway. I also think getting uh, nerve function uh, and the muscles that are associated with them, especially nerves and the muscles of the face, it's still an impossibility right now. So full smile, puckering the lips, closing the eyes in a powerful way, if all those had to be replaced, those are going to be difficult. 
There's other aspects too, for example, when you're dealing with the eyelids, you're also dealing with the system that allows you to move tears from your eye into your nose. That many times becomes a problem. Uh, and then there's the long-term swelling that occurs as well. So, you know, people have done a, a lot to improve upon that, but ultimately uh, it doesn't take much if to realize that something has happened and ultimately that patient had a face transplant if you look at them uh, long enough. So we're not really in face swap territory, are we? Not really. We're I mean, sort of bits of face donation. Yeah, it's bits of face donation. There's a lot of stress. I mean, if I had your face, I wouldn't look like you. If they had to map your face onto mine, um, then yeah, a lot of it would be lost or gained, depending on your perspective. Uh, I, might, I mean, like my my nose tissue is going to be really stretched. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that's so true. <laughs> I mean, you're, I mean, to be honest, your face on mine is an experiment I'd really like to see. <laughs> it's not a perfect match. <laughs> no, but I mean, the thing is, you would look at me and you'd say, you can see Rick Edwards in there. You know, it's like definitely Rick Edwards in there. But <laughs> What a treat. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not looking like a treat, believe me. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm sort of interested that you, you, you constantly you have this thing in your head now that yeah, you want me to look like you, which is, which is quite... You know, quite funny because you know. I mean, obviously, you think of yourself as extremely attractive, and uh, and that's that's okay. I don't. I don't but, listen. I don't hate the idea of um, me sort of trying to cram your big old face onto mine. <laughs> <laughs> I think either way is fine. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I I pay to see both. To be honest, yeah, of course you would. <laughs> uh, how much do you want, Doctor Gasman? <laughs> But uh, I mean, it's interesting because you know we we sort of talk about this as you know from the perspective of cosmetic surgery and wanting to look better or whatever else. But and actually, to be fair, that's not really what we're talking about, is it? Well, we, I no, mean, it's what we're talking it's, about. It's not what we should be talking. about. It's not about. what we should be talking about. But but it's interesting this kind of whole idea of beauty and the the beauty myth and and like you know what looks good because obviously you know when when people are dealing with face transplants they have to actually take on the the fact that they're not going to look great afterwards as well so hmm. so you know we kind of have to sort of look at our ideals of what you know what a face looks like and it's really interesting so i dug into this a little bit um so the all the beauty ideals come from actually seeing what other people value which is a really weird thing so we converge on what beauty is so there was this um experiment at johns hopkins and they used a dating website right that allowed sort of people in the experiment to rate random faces that came up and they sort of did one round and then they started showing some people like what other people had rated these faces and they did more and more rounds like this and people started to see what other people had said was like an attractive face and they'd sort of work out what the issues were or, you know what made that maybe look attractive and they start to rate that those kinds of features more highly than they had done originally like no incentive to do so whatsoever. They weren't being paid. It was all anonymized. So nobody knew that they were sort of, you know, rating faces that were maybe outside of the kind of what people considered normally beautiful. So, so, but, so, so we just on, converge that, onto uh, something when we hear what other people think is beautiful. But hang on, was that being uh, deliberately orchestrated then? Did you effectively have a load of stooges who were rating uh, no. faces that weren't conventionally attractive as being no, it was it was literally just you know you rate it however you want to out of ten, and then but but, that, but I'm going to tell you like the mm. scores how other people rated them, and you do this enough times and you start to see what other people rate as being high, and you move in that direction. So basically, it's a bit like you know seeing you know 
everybody liking something on Instagram. It's like, oh, that's it. And you have this right. subconscious desire to fit in. And so you start to think that's what's really beautiful. I kind of feel like I'd be more interested if that was like, do you, do you know what I mean? Like deliberately leading people away from the kind of conventional well, you could idea do of that. beauty. You could do that. And, and you think people would still follow that. I That's think they really would. Yeah, yeah. Because, mm. because there is no sort of initial prescription of this is beautiful. I mean, this is one of the other myths. No, but we all have, mm, I, th- I feel like we do have a kind of sense of that. And, and, and that, that probably is an aggregated sense from, it is, from being from, alive from, in, in the world. But we have it. It's we have like it, we, we, but it's cultural. Into... It's not, you know, you're not born with it. Right, right. And but... I mean, people have talked about symmetry as being the thing. It's like, oh, people like a symmetric face. And it turns out that those studies, which came out sort of, you know, 90, 90s, sort of 2000s, were like all like all these things that said, oh, you know, a symmetrical face is considered the most attractive. And that's probably because, you know, if you had an like, uneventful childhood, no stresses, no traumas, then your face would grow symmetrically. Whereas if you had, you know, some kind of, you know, childhood trauma, stress, epigenetic effects or whatever, you know, you'd get this asymmetry come in. So they're saying, oh, people are choosing a mate based on like, oh, they're really healthy because their face is symmetrical. It's all bullshit. So, I mean, given that range of what's considered attractive, there's probably no point wanting to change your face to be more attractive, I reckon, if you, if you follow science. Yeah, I think it's time we take a break now. We'll be back after this to discuss the ethics of face transplants, the donors and their families. Plus, we'll be hearing Dr. Gassman's answer to this week's question, are face transplants the future of cosmetic surgery? Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Going back to what we were saying about how it would be quite weird if you would have some of my face put onto yours, because it just would look a bit off. Yeah. That must be a genuine concern, I imagine, for recipients of, of face transplants, because it must just be unsettling that you've got, it's just not, it's not your face. You yeah. don't look yeah. how you used to look. I mean, I guess when you need a face transplant, you're in an extreme position, right? Obviously, grateful for any face. Well, you 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 would think that, but actually, that's not actually true. So, you know, but that the it, fuck is this, Gasman? <laughs> that's the thing. <laughs> the interim sort of position is they they have to take like stuff from your body, like muscle and stuff, to put on your face because there's nothing there. So they have mm. to sort of fill it in effectively, and you can like have a bit of your leg sort of sewn onto your face to kind of give you some kind of form because you're literally missing the bottom half. So you're aware that like you don't look as you would want to look, but at the same time, you're not prepared to take just anything. So there was a guy called Robert Chelsea who turned down a face in, in 2018, uh, and he's African-American. He said the skin was too light, 
and he would never be able to, you know, walk away from that feeling like any semblance of himself because the the skin wasn't right. So, you know, he is his quote is like he couldn't bear the thought of becoming a totally different looking person. So there has to be a kind mm. of sense of, you know, this is okay, it's not me, but it's I can I can see me carrying this off kind of thing. Kinda of, that makes sense to me, actually. And I know you kind of think well you just you know, take what you're given, but it has to be close enough. Otherwise, psychologically, it'd just be so weird. Yeah, yeah. And particularly if you think I'm literally like the, I'm not that color. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, and and I mean, it's a big problem sort of for the African American community because um, their donation levels, are, organ donation levels, are lower uh, mm. because they've been basically so fucked over by the medical establishment through the history of of America that they're distrustful of the. So uh, don't want to sign up. So that. they don't want to yeah. sign up for things mm. like that. But um, there's a guy called uh, James Partridge who's, who burned his face really badly in a in a car accident and he was actually a medical doctor he decided that the limits of surgery meant that he would never really be happy with whatever came sort of through as a result of surgery and he said people have to sort of recognize the limits so he 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 founded this organization called changing faces and he said you know they basically campaigned for people to be more accepting of faces that look different mm-hmm. you know and that's what he had he's mm-hmm. had to sort of you know obviously deal with the fact that he wasn't going to get his face reconstructed and he has to walk out there and you know and and deal with the fact that people look at him you know and, and sort of stare at him and he said you also have to deal with the idea that actually you know if this happens to you you're probably going to have you know significant sadness and, and feel lonely and feel cut off and you know you have to deal with the psychological components of that and face transplantation isn't necessarily going to you know solve all those issues he feels like surgery is sort of diminishing returns it doesn't really do everything that you need to do and you need to kind of get more skills like psychosocial adjustments and surgeons are actually starting to see his point and starting to take on some of changing faces sort of things and saying you know we need our face transplant patients to be realistic and to sort of be able to deal with the the limitations of what we can do for them so so do you have to kind of go th- I mean I'm sure you do have to go through quite a sort of strict psychological profile before a doctor would perform a, a face transplant on you yeah very much so that so you have to go through lots of you know I think it's months and months of, of sort of reporting to them chatting to them doing tests talking about your mental state because you're going to need resilience mm. post-operation and um, also I mean the other issue is that a lot of the p- people who are candidates for face transplant surgery are people who are failed suicide attempts particularly in america you know where, where oh, so gu- people have access to guns accidentally shoot your face and, off. and they they sh- instead of you know killing themselves they actually just shoot their face off Fucking and then hell. have to deal with the consequences of that so obviously they're in a terrible place before this has happened uh, then they're in the terrible place because it's sort of you know they've they've created another layer of mm. of problems for themselves and so you know the sort of you have to get somebody to the point where they're mentally resilient, psychologically able to cope with the surgery and the you know the effects of the surgery and and the disappointments maybe of the surgery as well because you know if you're on this sort of waiting list for eighteen months or three years or whatever then actually you know you've got all kinds of stuff going on in your head about whether this is worth it mm. you know what it's going to be like in the end and so there's you know there's a hell of a lot sort of to deal with psychologically so they have to be very careful about making sure that people are, are prepared in that way. I was hoping this was going to be quite a jolly chat. Oh, I mean, it started it's off just, all right. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't feel that jolly now. No, no, I mean, it isn't, you know, but it's sort of one of those things where 
it's a really interesting idea. And, and we sort of think, oh, you know, surgeon, we can do everything now. We, know we can do heart transplants. We can do lung transplants. And you think, oh, you know, I've heard of face transplants. You know, how good are they? And, and there's a whole sort of different level, I think, there, which is mm. really interesting. Mm. So Dr. Gassman's team performed one of their face transplants on a woman named Katie Stubblefield, who had tried to shoot herself. And I asked him about how they deal with this sort of psychological component of the whole thing. Actually, I'm not a psychiatrist or a psychologist, but I actually do deal a lot with the psychological evaluation. If I see a patient is, you know, addicted to drugs or clearly psychologically not stable, I may not even be sending them for psychological evaluation for a transplant, but just psychological evaluation just so they don't harm themselves any further. But ultimately, uh, someone like Katie has amnesia that had to be re-brought out in her. Uh, what was the underlying cause of this? Because there has been at least one face transplant who tried to commit suicide, who successfully, after a face transplant, committed suicide. We need to make sure that this won't happen again. Now, for a 17-year-old girl or 18-year-old girl in that age range, with the event that happened, it was really sort of like a one-off with her, a perfect storm. And I think our psychiatrists uh, and ethical evaluators all felt that were to be the case, but she still was treated for depression, both, I believe, with medication, but certainly, uh, you know, in, in terms of standard uh, psychotherapy, and uh, passed with flying colors. And I think uh, the proof's in the pudding, because the years since her face transplant, she's really manifested no major depression, no suicidal ideations. And despite some of the setbacks she's had, which are not shocking because, you know, face transplants have a lot of unknown, uh, she's in relatively good spirits. So, you know, it's not just a kind of cosmetic surgery idea. It's not just a whim. No. You know, it's, it's, for these people, it's very much a second chance at life and they need to be mentally prepared for that and fit for it. Do they ever meet the, I assume they probably do, the donor families? Yeah, it does. It does happen. It's, I mean, all of these people, right, are, are just, so I've watched videos of them and, and stuff and sort of, they're incredibly inspiring people, the people who've come out the other side mm -hmm. of this, you know, and it's even more inspiring when you see them sort of connecting with the people whose relative has, has given them this second chance at life and who can see in their face, you know, this face of the person that they loved as well. So, um, you know, the, the, so Katie Stubblefield's face, who Dr. Gassman did, came from a woman called Adria Schneider, who died of a drug overdose. And so she ended up saving seven people, you know, with her heart, lungs, kidney, you know, various organs. You know, so, it's so pretty they, amazing, isn't it? They, they were donated and changed seven lives. And then you've got like Robert Chelsea, his donor was a 62-year-old African-American called Adrian. And his brother had to give the consent for this. And his brother had been in the military and, and known that, you know, this was like, you know, a huge deal. You know, if you're in the military, you know that organ donation, you know, really does affect lives. And so, you know, they, they finally, you know, and it was a it was a good match. It was a close enough match. Um, he sort of laughed because this guy, the donor, had hair. So Robert Chelsea, who was bald before, now has hair. Just, you know, and he sort of almost you know laughs about it. You know, yeah. when you when you see him doing this, uh, there's a woman called 
Carmen Tarleton, whose face was basically destroyed by her husband, domestic violence. He covered her in lye and it was just it was yeah. awful, awful story. And she is incredible. So she's actually had two face transplants because the first one uh, started to be rejected after about seven years and she, she got another chance. Her second donor was uh, a woman, again, a, a drug addict uh, who died and the family said, you know, okay, let's let's use, you know, her organs and um, and her face. And, and uh, so th- this woman... Casey Labrie was able to save six people, uh, donating heart, lungs, kidneys, liver, and face. And Carmen Tarleton has met the family, and, and so you know they have this kind of relationship with them mm. now. You know, and and they're sort of you know they're intertwined, and in you know they look at her and they see um, the face of their daughter, the, the parents. Um, and it's the same with a guy called Cameron Underwood, who got his face from a guy called Will Fisher, who basically died after battling mental illness. I don't really know details. And they met up. So his mother met him accidentally, actually, sort of a few months after the surgery. They were in the same hospital or something. And and they met and she can see her son in Cameron's face. And it's just like this incredible thing. So, mm. so when you read about this and watch the, you know, watch the videos and, you know, and kind of see them talking about how their life has been saved. And then you see the, the donor family sort of saying, you know, we, we love the fact that this has made a difference, you know, to somebody's life and, you know, their son who... They're devastated to have lost. They can still see in this other guy's face. It's really quite moving and inspiring. Given that, given that it's very moving and very inspiring, I don't really want to bring up money, but I feel like (laughs) I probably have to because it sounds like all of this is happening in America. Healthcare, famously not free. I figure face transplants must cost a fortune. So, yeah, this is a problem in that it's considered an experimental surgery in the US and therefore doesn't qualify, in the most part, doesn't qualify for insurance Mm. payments. So you don't automatically get sort of access to it just because you've got health insurance. So some of the operations have been funded by the US military, actually the Defence Department, who's interested in obviously using this technology and and improving it so that they get better outcomes for their soldiers. So Robert Chelsea's surgery came from Department of Defence grant. And uh, it's a lot of money. So so they reckon about one and a half million that you have to raise if you haven't got insurance for it or you can't get a Department of Defence grant. And even actually with that grant, Robert Chelsea's family had to launch a GoFundMe page basically to to raise sort of money for incidental expenses which came to about seventy five thousand dollars so that's kind of like other hospitals yeah yeah i I mean other sort of things you know you have to have somewhere to stay for the family to come and stay Mm -hmm. and things like that so and it's to be honest it's it's going to get sort of even more uh, expensive because, you know, we're starting to get, you know, really high tech in this and people are starting to use holograms so the surgeons can see holograms of the donor's face and skull and the and the recipient's face and skull and kind of match them together and start to use like really advanced technology to get mm. better outcomes. They're using 3D printing to create sort of bespoke sort of substrates or templates for the for the you know skull parts and, and bones and things like that. So So, you know, there's lots of sort of, high tech that will make it better but of course that makes it more expensive as well i was gonna say i would have thought that some of the underlying structure that the bone and cartilage and stuff you would think that 3d printing would be a pretty good solution for that yeah i think it's starting to be more and more like that but i think there's you know it's sort of like you haven't got a lot to work with right you know so so you you know where do you attach this you can 3d print 
you know, a jawbone or something, but you still got to attach it, it's still got to be able to move. You know, it's, it's, mm. you know, it's more complicated than just sort of creating a new body part. Yeah, and it's yeah. got to be able to... Um, well, it's got to be functional. It's got to be That's functional. And it's got yeah. to be able to not just sort of exist as a sort of structure, but also to be able to sort of nourish and support the um, blood vessels and nerves and things like that. So it's it's much more complicated mm. than, than just sort of, you know, swapping in some hardware. So clearly there's a lot of factors to consider here outside of money and the mental health of the recipient. What are the biggest ethical issues surrounding face transplants? So that's a question we put to Dr. Gastman. The biggest ethical issue is that it, we're giving a non-life-sparing tissue to a human being. We're giving them potentially life-threatening immunosuppression. We are putting them at high risk from a surgical standpoint. But in my mind, many of these patients would die at a very young age. They become drug addicted, they are shunned from society, and they become uh, recluse. And the fact that they don't die immediately from not having a face, like a liver or a heart, doesn't take away from the fact that in many ways, I believe that these face transplants give patients quality of life, longevity of life, and makes it worth it. You could argue, though, that we are also using a lot of resources, financial resources, which currently it is under uh, research and is not paid by insurance, although we are working to change that. And as such, these resources, both financial, physical, etc., could be used uh, for other purposes to help mankind. But if we don't try, it's a little, you know, and I, I would think the first face transplant's like a little bit like going into outer space for the first time. You could have made the same argument there. We've got everything we need, but we don't evolve as a species, as a human race, if we don't continue to try and, and, and question, can we do better? And I think that's what face transplantation started out. And I think it actually ends up like what we're doing in space exploration to be a positive benefit for all involved. Yeah, the question of um, allocation of resources feels quite topical. It's, I mean, it is, it is complicated and everyone has mm. a different opinion. I don't think there's any right or wrong here. You know, when I see Elon Musk, you know, and th what he's using his money for, I don't think that's a bad thing. But, you know, there are people who would say, you know, there's people dying of diseases in Africa that are very curable and nobody's putting resources into that. And... These are always decisions you make. I mean, you know, he makes a good point about going to the moon, say, you know, that was, you know, that's a, still a, a, you know, a decision that's really debated, you know, as to whether that was a decent use of resources. And, the, you know, there were Americans starving at the time of, of, you know, the Apollo missions and, you know, the money wasn't going their way. So in the end, I just sort of think, you know, when you look back on pioneering things, you know, maybe not so much the space race, but pioneering surgeries, like, you know, the the people who sort of decided, I think we should be able to do a heart transplant or, you know, we should be able to do, you know, this kind of thing. And of course, at the time, it was impossible and difficult and, and consumed loads of resources. But we're all really glad now that that's been done. And I think the same will happen for face transplants. It's, it's not really about the face transplants itself. It's about expanding what we can do medically isn't it mm. i guess there's a distinction isn't there between or certainly in terms of people's perception anyway a heart transplant is uh obviously life-saving in the case yeah, of yeah. face transplantation it's not so obviously life-saving it's kind of quality of life saving maybe yeah. and, and maybe sort of mentally incredibly beneficial but you're not actually 
literally saving someone's life. Like, but, but you're not saving a... someone's life with a heart transplant, really. You're extending their life. Kind of, yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, it may be that somebody's, you know, somebody's got heart disease because of lifestyle issues. And, you know, there would be people who would argue that, you know, okay, using resources on there, you can kind of say you're saving their life. But actually, you know, what you're what you could also say is, is they need to have you know, lived better and, and with a better lifestyle. So, mm. so you can always turn it around. So it's about quality of life for you know, if somebody's unfortunate enough to need a face transplant. I'm not going to be the one that turns around and says, yeah, but, you, you know, you can live without it. You, no, when, I wouldn't want to be that guy. No, you wouldn't want to be that guy. And actually, I think it's sort of the same thing. It's like you get a heart um, transplant or a heart bypass or whatever. Uh, and but I actually, in fact, I actually potentially can't live without that. That's well, the thing, you know, it? you won't live forever anyway. So, so you know, and 20 years no. ago or 40 years ago, people would have died from that and that would be that. Mm. And there are still people who have undiagnosed heart disease who just drop dead. Yeah. So, you know, it's it's sort of, you know... You could argue, well, you know, people die eventually, but nobody should have you, to live well, with half a face. Yeah, and actually, I wouldn't argue on that point. People do die eventually. <laughs> <laughs> You're absolutely right. It, it's, it's just that, you know, it's a really difficult question, isn't it? Because when you look at how much money this kind of thing is costing versus, you know, if you just divert all of those funds to relatively low-cost treatments, you could have a massive effect. And... um I don't really know. There's, as you said, yeah, I mean, not really an answer that's, to that. That's true of just, so many things. So, though, exactly, yeah. yeah. Uh, like, that's not um, unique to face transplants no, by any means. No. I mean, I, I sort of feel like, you know, what will happen or what could happen eventually is, you know, when a, somebody who's really rich needs a face transplant, then you might find that this whole research area accelerates massively. So, it, yeah. yeah, if Elon Musk, you know, got his face burned off on the launch pad or something, or, you know, Richard Branson or... or um, Bezos. Jeff Bezos, you know, then all of a sudden you'd find that there was a lot of money went into that kind of uh, research because that's that's mm. how our world works in some ways. Yeah, yeah, and and, and they've got the the private funds to to accelerate yeah. themselves, and and they would yeah. and what they would seed would actually go on to benefit a lot of other people in the end. Is there any um, sort of possibility, like with heart transplants, where we're looking at sort of artificial, you know, like we've you know like ghost hearts and you know literally sort of mechanical hearts will we ever get to a point where we just start to be able to grow like literally in in a in a lab grow a new face for someone so it doesn't need to be from a donor yeah i th i mean i think that's kind of the direction some of it's going in but but you know it's not like you can grow a face i mean it's just far too you complicated grow the, you grow can... the bits and then sort of start fashioning into a face. Yeah, it doesn't sound good, does I mean, it? I'm glad I'm not leading the research. But <laughs> yeah, could we grow a bit of uh, yeah, a bit of something? The thing and, about uh, a heart is, you know, it's heart muscle, and you can grow it from stem cells, and it's just mm. about having the right scaffolding, and you can get the stem cells to kind of you know form a heart effectively. And, and yeah, and the face is just so much more complicated. It's not just one thing. It's, you know, it's so many different things. And so, in, you know, and you can stitch a new heart in, you know, and you've got sort of, you know, you can plumb it in, like you, yeah. you know, plumb in a boiler. And it's the sort of same, it's not the same thing with a, a face. You know, it's it's so complicated. But is it, sorry to quibble, is it actually the same thing, just much more complicated? I would have probably, well, uh, yeah, I, I, is, I mean, it yeah. It's the same thing. It's but it's harder. a different order of magnitude, isn't it? I mean, yeah. It's, you know, yeah. It, it's but we so get much better more. at Stuff. We do, which is why, you know, I think we should be glad that this is going on, even if it's at the moment not fantastic. I think we might be able to plumb in a lab-grown face one day. 
That's that's my prediction for the uh, for the episode. Hopefully not your face on mine. Uh, so okay, we should try and answer the question then. Will a face transplant ever become routine? I've already given away my answer. Um, I, I well, you sort of the thing is, you hope that it you hope that it doesn't become routine because you don't really want people to be in a situation where they need a new face. No. So so the question is more, you know, are face transplants the future of sort of elective cosmetic surgery? You know, will people ever be able to just choose themselves a face? No. I don't think so. I don't think so. You want to see what, so? see what Dr. Gassman has to say? Yes. We can see the biggest advancements will be maybe not in direct face transplantation, but perhaps using tissues from a donor for 3D printing of tissues, or even just bioengineering tissues using autologous, that is, from the patient's own tissues and stem cells and make tissues that we want. So, for an example, maybe in next eight, next five years, someone needs a new jaw, a new nose, new everything plus the face, maybe the jawbone will, and, the, and the cartilage of the nose will be printed using cells from that same patient from stem cell technology, but the skin and the muscles may be still yet too complex to do something like that because you need to generate blood supply and maybe uh, smaller face transplants will be required, just the skin to put over it So because everything else can be done uh, much more simply. So there are many possibilities where technologies will change what we do, but I don't see them greatly changing what we do in the next two to three years, especially because we don't do that many face transplants, neither nationally nor internationally. I mean, listening to that, all I was thinking was, hold on, is Dr. Gassman the expert or is it me? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm just coming up with this stuff on the fly. Oh, I mean, it's not like you to, to be so humble about it. <laughs> <laughs> and we should just put you in charge of everything, shouldn't we? <laughs> well, um, yeah, you've got an opinion about everything. Yes, I have, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and, and got some you know, vague knowledge about, you know, various sort of things that you might use, like 3D printing or, you know, stem yeah. cells. Yeah, I mean, I think that sort of, you know, that let me at it. That self belief and that vague knowledge can get you a long way. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so I mean, obviously, I think the answer is no. Too, you know, it's like it's not going to be that. You know, I can say I want to look like this person over here. You know, <laughs> obviously, while they're still alive, that's going to be a problem if I want their face. But you know, you aren't going to be able to choose yourself a face and and sort of have it transplanted. But you, you know, as as science progresses, we'll be able to grow bits. We'll be able to. I, I mean, he was sort of saying, you know, that we'll just get a skin. That'll be the hardest thing. So you know, you'll you'll do all the engineering underneath mm. and put skin over the top of it and. Uh, and maybe that's, you know, maybe that's good enough. But generally, you just want to hope that you don't need a new face, don't you? Yeah, yeah. And, and, and also, it is worth saying that as it stands, and this is not in, in any way a kind of criticism, but it's not a desirable thing to have a face transplant. You don't want to be in a position where you need a face transplant. And once you've had it, it's not going to look exactly as you want it to no, at the moment. no. I mean, if anything, this whole thing has taught me to value my face much higher than I did before. Well, that's so, nice. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling positive about you know. I'm, I'm still not looking in the mirror that often, but <laughs> yeah, at least I've got a face and it works. At least I've got a face. He's gone with. <laughs> well, I'm very empathetic of you. <laughs> Eureka is a stack production presented by Dr. Michael Brooks and Rick Edwards. The production team is Temi Adebayo, Katie Baxter, Luke Moore and Charlie Morgan. Sound designed by Katie Baxter. 
special thanks to today's expert, Dr. Brian Gassman. Please subscribe and rate wherever you listen to your podcast. It does make a massive difference. You can also find us on Twitter at EurekaPod. We also really love hearing from you guys. So if you have any burning questions you want answering, drop us an email at eureka at stack.london. That's S-T-A-K dot London. Or you can always find us on Twitter at EurekaPod. Thanks. Eureka is a Stack production and part of the ACAST Creator Network. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.